Dude, I totally just realized that that little shadow was supposed to be a manger. Did anybody recognize that? I saw this video a couple of times, saw it this morning. Okay, I probably shouldn't be thinking out loud. Praise the Lord. Amen. Welcome to the church. How are you guys doing? <laughs> right on, man. That reckless love of God is insane. Amen. Amen. You guys got to help me preach today, all right? It is so insane, man. When, when you, when, I love the way those lyrics go. He, he chases me down. He fights till I'm bound. He leaves the 99. He's coming after me. Ain't no walling in a kick down. Ain't no fight he won't, he won't throw down. You know what I mean? for, for me, man, I love this, all right? And then we say, he, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. And still, you gave yourself away. And that is the key. He gave himself away. The pure, unstoppable love of Jesus Christ was expressed for us all the way to the cross, where he made it possible for even, uh, made a way for even the craziest sinner, the craziest sinner, the, 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 the craziest life, the life that we thought, no way, where he made a way for us to have a life, to live a life of repentance, all right, to repent. What does that mean, man, to, to turn completely away from pursuing sin and pursuing a life without God, right? He empowers us, all right, to, with the very presence of God's Holy Spirit to live this life in Christ and to lead others to Christ Jesus, amen? amen. That is a good place for an amen, all right? Because here's what I know, man, the, the, the deepest, most honest expression of true love that ever was, sharing Jesus. <laughs> I knew I wrote this sentence wrong. I look at it just now like, I dude, this does not make sense. Yes, it does. Pretend it makes total sense, because it does. All right, but this is the way I worded it. All right, the deepest, most honest expression of true love ever was, that's what it was, my expression, all right, was Jesus sharing his life at the cost of his life so that we can see and experience him. Now, do you see the way that's supposed to be read? I'm telling myself because you probably got it way before I did. All right, the deepest, most honest expression of true love ever was Jesus sharing his life at the cost of his life so that we can see him and so that we can experience him. He, he, he told us, all right, that we need to love the way he loves, and that's how we need to love. That's how we need to love. That's how we need to, to the way he goes after that crazy, reckless love, all right, that he has for others is the love that we need to have for others right? Praise the Lord. Here's what I know, man. He's not someone, you know, that we're supposed to put into our pocket. Jesus was never meant for your pockets, all right? He wasn't meant for your purse. He wasn't meant for, God is, he doesn't fit in your pocket. He doesn't fit in your purse. The universe is so huge, and it still doesn't hold him. Why? He created the universe, and yet he can't fit inside the whole universe. This is how big our God is, he was never meant to be kept in our pockets. We are called, man, we're even mandated to find people who don't know that they can know Jesus and to make him known. You see, discipleship, you know, leading others into a growing relationship with Christ, all right, is our personal, personal and relational responsibility in Christ. This is the work of the church, all right? This is what we're supposed to be about all right, it was never meant to be an option. You know, leading people to Christ, sharing Christ with other people, sharing the life of Christ in your life, in the lives of other people, was never meant to be an option. It's never a work for certain people in the church. It is the work for the whole church. Are you the church? 
right on. Praise the Lord. This is our work. This is our work. Why? Because every one of us, we know someone. Oh, we know someone who doesn't even know that they can know Jesus. We know someone who is literally lost without Christ. Literally lost. This is the words that the, that the scriptures use, lost without Christ. There's this video. <laughs> I was going to show the video, but they get all tripped out when you rip videos off YouTube and show them in church. All right. And so I'll just tell it to you. You may have seen this before where a kid is sitting in his house, right? And his dad's phone is on the coffee table and he takes a picture of his dad's phone. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe not. He takes a picture of his dad's phone, right? And then later his dad comes in and grabs his phone and says, I'm going to the store. You guys need anything? Okay, anyways, he walks out. The kid waits for his dad to get outside, then texts him the picture and says, hey, you left your phone on the coffee table. And the dad is looking at his phone. And he, shows him, he shows him looking outside, and his dad goes, oh, man. And he goes back in the house to get his phone. Right? He walks back into the house, right? And he tells the kid, he goes, where's it at? And the kid goes, where's what at? And he goes, you know what? You just texted me that I forgot my phone and it's on the co- it was on the coffee table. Where's it at? He goes, what are you talking about? My phone. He goes, what phone? He goes, this phone. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then as he's walking out, he goes, where's my keys? All right? And so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> how many of us have lost something that was right there in our hand? All right, how many of you, you know what I'm talking about? I'm leaving the office one day, all right? I'm talking to my son on the phone, and I'm walking out. The door slams. I'm like, oh, dang, man, I left my phone inside. And then my, my boy's like, dad, dad. I'm like, what? Hold it. I'm trying to find my kid. You're on the phone. I knew that. This was a test, and you totally passed, all right? How many of us, man, we lose things, and they're right there in our hands. They're right there within our reach, and what about people, right? What about people, man? I mean, physically, we lose people. It freaks us out, and we, it, it, rightly, it, just, it, is, it, is, it does. But how many people are standing right next to us, lost in the world without Jesus, and yet we do nothing about it? Nothing to help them. I mean, they're right there, man. And we all know it. We have people who don't even know that they can know Jesus right there with us. And we have family members, we have friends, we have people we work with, people on our street, in our neighborhood. And they're right there, man, lost in our hands. Let me pray. I'm going to lead us to where we're at. Father, we just give you the praise. We just give you the honor. We give you the glory, Lord God. And we just ask in the name of Jesus Christ. You will guide us underneath your word. Pray that you get me out of the way, Lord God. Do not let me get in the way of your word, Father. I pray, Lord God, for your glory just to be revealed here, that your Holy Spirit, Lord God, would cast down any imagination or anything that is not of Christ, Lord God, and help us to just hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool, man. We're, in, we're moving into Luke chapter 15. If you've not been here, we've been going through the gospel of Luke, according to Luke, and uh, we're going to see it through. 
And we're, we just made it into 15, chapter 15 today. Last week, actually a couple of weeks ago, we were uh, challenging Jesus. He was at this, not challenging Jesus, but we were challenging the scripture where he was at this uh, dinner party with the, the religious elite, all right? The religious leaders of the community, all right? And, uh, and then today, he kind of just switches a major shift in audiences. He goes from the religious re- elite at this dinner party, and now he goes to the people on the street, all right? And it's pretty amazing you know, the contrast that takes place and how he's, you know, but, but he's still telling the same thing, all right? But, but, but then there's also Pharisees, the religious elite are standing by when this thing takes place. Check this out. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10 is our text today, all right? So follow along with us. Words will be up there if you have a scripture, I mean, a Bible or an app, you know, open it up and here's where we're going to be. And so here we go. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. It says, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him. The tax collectors, the tax collectors and the sinners. It's funny how they show two different categories, but basically the same thing, all right? The people who are not good people were following and drawing near to him. The sinners are basically those who were devoted to a life without God. Those who were devoted to a life of just sin and just that they didn't care who knew about it. And listen, we're just going to do this. And then the tax collectors, on the other hand, operated on a whole different level. You see, the tax collectors, all right, they were the extortioners, the traitors of their own countrymen. They not only sinned against God, but they were sinned, sinned against Israel. These are the men and women who wanted to be around Jesus, who wanted to be close to Jesus. And what is crazy, when I look at this, I realize such a glaring truth. People who are nothing like Jesus wanted to be around Jesus. Isn't that crazy? People who are nothing like Jesus wanted to be around Jesus. Right? He, they knew, man, that, that what he was about. He didn't, you know, just kind of water down his story or his testimony or his presence in, 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 in front of these people. They knew exactly what he was about. And yet they wanted to be around him. They wanted to be around him all the time. Why do you think that is? Why do people who are nothing like Jesus want to be around Jesus? Now, right, let me ask you a question, even maybe even more, more important. Why do you want to be around Jesus? I know, let's find out though, right? (laughs) Why do you want to be around Jesus? For me personally, I remember, uh, you know, for years, there wasn't a man on this planet born that I wanted to follow. Well, not one man. There was not one person that I really, truly, uh, that was a man that I looked up to. That's kind of a sad testimony as a kid growing up. All right? And as a young adult, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to cut my own way. Whatever I get, I'm just going to lead whatever I have to lead. You know what? There's nobody I want to follow until I met Jesus. All right, many of you know my story. I didn't have somebody come and show me, hey, there he is. I didn't have anybody do any of that. I just had a Bible. I just started reading the Bible. All right? I was in a very controlled atmosphere. All right? And so, okay, you know, so, um, yeah, and it wasn't a bathroom. I was reading the Bible, right? Right? And, and, uh, and I started reading about Jesus. And all of a sudden, I started seeing somebody. And for some reason, there was something about that that I knew this wasn't a fairy tale. I knew this wasn't a fantasy. I knew that this was real. I started reading about Christ. And I started recognizing somebody that I thought was worth following. And I started, I started looking through the scriptures and realizing that this, 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 this guy, I want to not only follow him, I want to be exactly like him. 
I want to be more like him. Look at the way he handled himself. Look at the way he spoke. Look at the love. Look at the sacrifice. Look at the humility. I didn't know how to be a humble person, man. There's nothing about the word humble that attracted me until I met Christ. And I just felt, you know what? I want to be like this guy. And I knew that I was nothing like him. All right? I knew just like yourself, you're nothing like him without him. Right? And I wanted to be just like this guy. And he showed me, this is crazy, he showed me that, 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 that even a person like me could come close to him. And it blew me away. He showed me that I didn't have to take a shower before I took a bath. And I believe that these tax collectors and sinners that were all drawing near to him, I think that these people came close to him because even though he was teaching about the kingdom, he was teaching about God, he was teaching about sin, all right? He was teaching about holiness, all right? Things which none of them were owning, all right? He didn't make them feel small while he was talking to them about it. Here's God talking to the tax collectors and the sinners and and he didn't make them feel little and tiny. Instead, he actually reminds us our value before God. Each of us, he reminds us of our value before God. Jesus shows us, this is kind of crazy, and some of us might get, some might get this uh, little word, this little sentence right here uh, twisted, all right? But Jesus shows us that we were made to be a better version of ourselves. We were actually created to be a better version of the self that we ourselves have created. A self that is in Christ. A self that is Christ-like. He reminds us that we all, say all. all. No, everybody say all. all. All right, I want all of you to say all. Yeah, he reminds us. Some of you are still back. I ain't going to say it. I ain't saying it. All right. He reminds us that we, all, that we were all made to be image bearers of God the Father. The tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. Let me ask you this crazy question. Do, do people who don't know Jesus want to be around you because you know Jesus? Do people who don't know Jesus want to be around you because you know Jesus? Maybe they don't even know it's because you know Jesus. Maybe it's because there's something about you that is different, all right, than the way the world is going and the way things normally go in their life. And there's just something about you. There's something about your life. There's something about the way that you live and, and speak and, and think and create that is different about you. I remember when I first gave my life to Christ just a couple of months, within a couple of months of that, I just so, felt so madly in love with Jesus and I just wanted to be like him. And I, and I didn't try to pretend anything. I just wanted to be authentically, genuinely, sincerely like Christ. And I remember a guy in the jailhouse came up to me and he says, man, she says, I want what you got. I looked at the guy, you know what I mean, because he, he, he couldn't take my soup or my, all I got is soup and candy bars in my cell. I'm like, what are you talking about, bro? And he's like, he's like, you know, I want what you got, man. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, there's this, he goes, you're not here in the jail. 
I go, uh, hello, I'm wearing the same weird doctor's outfit that you're wearing. Um, totally here, man. And he's like, no, bro, you're not here. This, 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 he literally was telling me that this, this place does not control you and confine you. There's something about you that is different. I go, that's right, bro. I've been, I'm free. I've been set free. I've been cut loose by the Almighty, and I'm just walking with Jesus. And he goes, I want that. I said, you're on your own, bro. I don't know what to tell you. You know what I mean? Um, I was a brand new Christian. What do you want? No, just kidding. I, I didn't tell him that. Uh, you, but there's just something about it. Let me ask you, do, do, do people who don't know you, or do, who don't know Jesus want to be around you because you know Jesus? Because this is the kind of life that God is calling us to live. When he fills you with his Holy Spirit, there's something way different about you. There's something way huge and larger than life about you. Something that, you know what? That when I told you to tell the kids this, when we would go to camp and I was a youth leader, I'd say, man, we want to be the kind of followers of Jesus Christ that when we take off for camp for a week, this whole town's going to say, what's missing? <laughs> Something's missing around here. And we need to be those, praise the Lord. She could talk. <laughs> praise the Lord. The same thing about you. What's missing when you're not here? Jesus. It needs to be noticeable in us. It says they, that all the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Christ. All right? And in verse 2, it says, And the Pharisees and the scribes, they grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners, and he eats with them. Pfft. They're like doing the pfft. scoff. You know what I mean? They're scoffing. All right? And so they grumbled. Why? Because it isn't hard to forget where we came from sometimes, isn't it? We look at them and we're like, you know, these guys, there's something wrong. They're messed up. But how many times do we do the same thing? We forget where we come from. And we look at other people's sin and we're like, ah. What, what sin? Okay, what, what sin? If it was to walk through the door right now, all right? And I'm glad nobody walked through the door right now. That would have been pretty awkward, all right? What's in if it were somebody to walk through the door right now? I'm like, what? I'm here. All right? Um, that if it was to walk through the door right now, well, we would just be like freaked out that that person's here. Are you kidding me? What are they doing here? How about that? What if each sin had a smell? What if every particular sin, and there's a list of them, man, what if each one had a smell? What if adultery smelt like cat urine? <laughs> what if all of a sudden, man, oh, man, what you've been doing? You know what I mean? How, how, what if each, each sin had a, a certain smell? Adultery smelt like cat urine. Or, or what, if, what if lies, what if, what if lies smelt like rotten eggs? What if a lie, you're a lie, like all of a sudden you tell a lie and you smell rotten eggs? And like, I was, it wasn't me, man. You know what I mean? You know, what if impure thoughts smelled like curdled milk? What would this place smell like if each of our sins carried an, a, a, just a rotten odor? This place would reek. All right? And we don't think it would. Not me. You know what I mean? No, 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 no. And don't look around. You people look around like, oh, no, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, hmm. No, that one right there. No, don't even go there. See, what's really crazy is even if our, did, our sin did have an odor, 
And there's some references in the scriptures that talk about different things like that. Jesus wouldn't turn up his nose at our smells. He doesn't turn up his nose and go, oh my gosh, are you serious? Get out of here. Please go. Instead, he wants to embrace you. He wants to embrace you. Stinky smell and sin and all, he wants to embrace you. And he's not afraid that you're going to make him smell. You know how when somebody, you know, we've all done this. Somebody, you know, you have that uncle that comes over. And he doesn't wear under deodorant. And he wants to hug you all over the whole. All, and he's bigger, so he puts the whole armpit on your shoulder. And you're like, ah. And you just, you just have that weird, you know. Anyways, that was too much. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Jesus is not, is not offended by our smell. And what is crazy, man, is he's, he still wants to embrace you, smell and all. And he's not worried about you getting your smell on him. He wants his smell to get on you. Instead of the stink of sin, he wants you to smell like grace. Like grace. Like his grace. Like his grace. You got to let him hug you. But it says, it says, the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners. And I can, I can prove that he wants you to, to hug you even in this midst because this word receive is not, you know, some of your, 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 your translations say welcome or other words. And we all fall short because, and I don't do a lot of this, but the, but the Greek word is prosdekomai. And it's a pretty amazing word when it talks about this because he's not saying, hey, this guy right here, he says, hey, how you doing? He's, he's just greeting, you know, he's not greeting sinners and just like, hey, how you doing? Glad you're He's not doing that. This word, that's decamai. Pros decamai actually means that he is embracing. He is, he is, he is just lo- longing to hold you. Pros decamai means is this deep, intimate, loving welcome, all right, that has been looking forward for you to be with him. It's like finally seeing that, that person that you totally care about and love that you haven't seen for so many years. Or for so long, and you've been wondering where they're at, and you know, and now you see them, and you don't care where they've been, what they've done. You're just glad to see them, and you prosdecamai them, you, you lovingly, intimately welcome them. That's what he's talking about right here. He receives. They they they, they had it right. And he receives sinners, and he and he and he sits at he sits he sits at the table with them. Man, are you kidding me? You're going to eat with these guys? Yeah, I'm going to show them that they're valuable. You see, these Pharisees barely tolerated living in the same community, all right, as these sinners. And too many of us, we think that, that that's good enough, man, to, to just tolerate. You know what I mean? I'll tolerate you being in the room, having a family dinner, or Thanksgiving, I'll tolerate that. Per- you know, whatever the place may be. But I don't know. And we think that's a good thing. But you know what? How many people do you know that enjoy being tolerated? Anybody? <laughs> Anybody here enjoy just being tolerated? All right? Not many. I don't know anybody that enjoys being tolerated, but I do know a lot of people that want to be respected. They want to be respected. I know, huh? They want to be respected. And instead of tripping on who or what you're going to tolerate, Ask yourself what it means to treat somebody with respect. What if, <clears throat> and I know, excuse me, <clears throat> and I know you're thinking, you know what? I don't respect what they're doing. Nobody's asking you to respect what they're doing. I don't respect the life that they're living. Nobody's asking you to do that e- as well. 
But you know what? What I'm talking about is respecting their story as a human being, respecting and including their story, or even involving their story in, as being a human story. We don't know where they've been. We don't know what they're doing. We don't know what happened. We, we don't know. But, but, but what, if, what if instead, you know, instead, I'll put this up there, we allowed their path or their pain to become our concern? What if you allowed their, their pain to become your concern and their healing to become your hope and their joy to become your happiness? What if instead of just tolerating or even just you know, dismissing, you allowed their pain to become your concern, your prayerful concern, and you started leaning into that pain and with prayers before God? You know, I've heard somebody say, man, all I can do is pray. That's the best thing you can do for me. Talk to God about me? Are you kidding? Yes. The, the allowing their pain to become your concern and their healing to become your hope. Even if they're not being healed yet, even if they're still in the, in the mess, even if it's still crazy, man, you're, you're allowing that, that the hope of that healing as you pray into that healing and not give up to become your hope and their joy. And the only joy that takes place is, is finding Christ and living a life in Christ and their joy become your happiness, even your joy. See, the, the plan was never just to become a bunch of well-behaved Christians. <laughs> Jesus didn't die on the cross, all right? So you could behave. No. This is the Pharisees and the scribes. They grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And we thought, you know what? That would be a good place to start a church, right? Well, 2010, we put, when we were starting this church, we put out a newspaper ad, just kind of taking a cue from Jesus. All right, if you're around here in 2010, you might have seen this. Check out this ad real quick. This is what we put down in 2010. It took a quarter page to do this. The church, the dropouts for losers, sinners, uh, uh, Jesus' closest friends. Dropouts, losers, and sinners. Jesus' closest friends, and meeting at the church at Blue Ridge High School Saturday nights at 7. <laughs> All right? And we took a while, and there were people that were like, are you kidding me? Really? And they grumbled. There were some grumblers in town as they saw this. We, took, we put this in the paper for almost a month. Took a quarter sheet. We said, we'll buy it. We wanted to buy the whole sheet. We're like, ah, let's do the quarter sheet. We won't get too crazy. And so, and that was, that was, a lot of people showed up. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You're here. Praise the Lord. Right on. Hey. Hey, you saw the ad. All right, cool. <laughs> right on, man. <laughs> right? But how can we better, how can today, how can we better reflect the heart of Christ, his heart, in this context? And so Jesus told them a parable. And he told it in four parts. And we're going to take the next three weeks to talk about these four parts because there are four types of lostness, basically. There are those who drift away, all right? There's those who fall away, right? There's those who drift away. We're going to talk about that today. Those who fall away, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And then next week, we're going to talk about those who choose to stay away or to be away. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about those who think they're close but are actually, in reality, far away from the Father's heart. And so I told him this parable, and we'll talk about drift away and fall away really quickly here. In Luke chapter 15, verse 4, he tells him this parable, this story. 
He says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, doesn't leave the 99 in open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Which one of you, all right, doesn't go after that lost, that one lost sheep, or do you just write it off? He says, none of you would do that. Basically, you would go after it. And, and these are the ones that, that drift away. And, uh, you, know, uh, sh- you know, none of us are, I don't know if any of you are shepherds. Or anybody got sheep at the house? You're taking care of them, hundreds of them? Anyways, all right, might have some goats. I've seen you guys bring them to church. Anyways, so, uh, anyways, <laughs> right? A shepherd once explained to how sheep get lost. Check this out. They nibble their way into getting lost. They nibble their way into getting lost. All right, they move from one piece of grass to another piece of grass to the next and they keep moving along from grass to grass until, all right, uh, sometimes they go, they go right through a hole in the fence. And then they're just nibbling away from the pasture, nibbling away from the, sheep, from the sheepfold. And then they're, when they're done nibbling, they can't find their way back. And they're lost. Some of us know what that looks like. All right, to nibble ourselves bit by bit far away from God. Some of that nibbling takes place in overworking, all right? Some of the times we, we work a little more, we work a little more, got to add a little more, gotta, now we got to do more. And next thing you know, we're just working and working and working and working, and we don't have much time for God, and we don't have much time for our family, and we don't have much time for a lot of things, you know what? And we're just, we're just, we're overworked. And sometimes we do that with, with, with playing and recreation too much. You know, yeah, man, we got a little bit more, man, I'm going to try to do that again, I'm going to try to do that again. Next thing you know, we're just caught up. And we're, and, we're, and we're overplaying. We ain't got time for God. We ain't got time for people. You know, they, they we're just playing too much. Sometimes people have done that with drinking. Just one sip. And then another sip. And then another sip. And another sip. Now, some of you might be able to have a drink, but there are some of you here shouldn't even look at a glass of alcohol. We're just going to tear you to pieces. Because we have one sip lead to another sip to another sip. You nibbled here, you nibbled there, you nibbled there, you nibbled there. Some have done it with prescription drugs. All right, the doctor ordered you some drugs for some painkillers. Next thing you know, the pain is gone, all right, and you're still nibbling at these painkillers. And now you're creating a bunch of new pain in your life. More and more pain. Some of you have done it with illegal drugs, all right? And you know what? A little here, a little there, a little bit more, and a little bit more, and then a little bit more. And next thing you know, you look around and there's nothing but wreckage. If the shepherd didn't take any action, the sheep stayed lost. All right? That shepherd didn't take any action. The sheep, the sheep stayed lost. All right? They stayed lost for, for wild games to just tear them apart or to ultimately be destroyed. And what kind of action does the shepherd take? You. You're the action. God is, is counting on his church, all right, to go after the nibbler, man. <laughs> the nibbler. We're going to call him the nibbler, dude. <laughs> to go after the nibbler, the one that's just drifting away. You're the church, the hands and feet of God in the world that is lost without him. See, just as Jesus gave his life, we're to give ours. To love like Jesus means to share our lives at the cost of our lives so that people can see and experience Jesus. 
To love like Jesus means to share our lives at the cost of our lives so that people could see and experience Jesus. And when he's found it, when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing, the sheep. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. You see, the problem with the Pharisees is that they didn't know how to share that joy. You see, the people they were grumbling about most, the people they were like barely tolerating in their community, were coming to God himself. And they were hearing these teachings about sin and about the kingdom and about God and about holiness. Sinners were coming to Christ and they didn't like it. You ever, you ever get mad that salvation is offered to people, uh, to any particular person? <laughs> Put it that way. You ever get mad that salvation is made available to any particular person? I mean, you, you see somebody and you're like, oh my goodness, Lord, I need to talk to you about that one. <laughs> Trust me. You ever get mad? You ever get upset? In two weeks, we're going to put that one to the test, so you need to stay close. But he says, you know, th- th- these Pharisees, and he's, he's giving them a message like, man, why aren't you rejoicing? You see, because each of us, all right, knows what it's like to drift away. Everyone here knows what it's like to nibble, a nibble, and nibble. And maybe it's not as, you know, to where you're completely gone and completely lost, but maybe you've nibbled your way away from God for one week. You know, I haven't prayed all week. I haven't been in the Word all week. I haven't been in fellowship with other people in Christ, all right? I haven't, you know, been, been around. I mean, maybe you've just nibbled your way out of, the, and then by the end of the week, you're like, dang, I am kind of far from God. But you knew your way back. All right? Well, because, you know, each of us know what it's like to drift away, we should already be active in showing others the way back. All right? We know the way back. Amen? I mean, we're here. He says, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who think they basically need no repentance. This is what causes parties in heaven. Angels are hanging out flyers. Some angels are Snapchatting, saying, you know what? Party, dude got saved. She got saved. Come on, party. Big party up in heaven. All right, whoa. They're throwing out parties, man. Why aren't we partying when we see somebody come to Christ? I know many of us do. We get excited, but we need to stay connected and stay close. See, this is the work that he's calling us to. We're, you know, this is who he's calling us to. We're the, we're the searchers, right? We're the finders. We're the shoulders that help them carry them. And we're the ones that rejoice. And then he goes in verse 8, he goes, oh, what woman? Having 10 silver coins, if she loses one uh, coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. <clears throat> All right, before we had one drift away, now we have one that just falls away. They get lost through carelessness, choice, or choosing the wrong friends, choosing the wrong choices, I mean, choosing the wrong places, making all the wrong choices. They lose their center, man, and literally they fall away from God. Little do they know that God is organizing forces to come and get them. 
are you the forces he's organizing? He's calling his church to light a lamp to help them see, all right? He's calling his church, all right, to sweep the house, to clear a path all the way home. He's calling the church to make a mad search and let them know that they are seen, that God sees them. Are you the church? Are you the church? I'm going to keep saying, are you the church? Are you the church? (laughs) All right. (laughs) This is your responsibility. Are you here? Verse 9, and when she found it, she calls her friends. Saying, rejoice with me. I found the coin that I lost. Calls her friends and neighbors. I found that coin. And Jesus says, just so I tell you, there's joy before the angels and God over one sinner who repents. And when you come in here, man, who's missing? Who's missing? Do they know that you know that they're missing? When you read the scriptures, who do you wish was there reading it with you? Do they know that you wish that they were there reading it with you? When you pray and when you talk about Jesus, who do you wish that was nearby just to hear, be involved in that story and in that prayer? Who's missing about hearing about the amazing things that Jesus has not only done, but is doing right now? Who's missing? I want you to put a name right here right now. Think of a name right now. Think of one name. It's too easy to escape uh, when, we, when we're talking in general. All oh, my family, all oh, my friends, everybody at work. You know what I mean? You know, it's easy to, 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 to escape when we're talking in general. It's hard to escape a name. I want you to think about a name right now. Name a person. I know some of you are probably naming 20 right now. Now, just one. Give me one. Because this is what I want you to think about for this week. I want you to, to, to name one person. Name him, name her right now, all right? You guys got a name? I'll give you some more time. Name a name. <laughs> we got a name. <laughs> all right, you got a name? Here you go. Here's your question. What are you going to do about that? You got that name? You said, yeah. What you going to do about that? We get this far so many times, and we don't know what to do. We don't know how to engage, get involved with God. And what he's already doing in that person's life, whether you know it or not, So I want you to do three things this week with that name. You ready? Here's, here's, here's something you can do just to start. And maybe you've already done this. Well, so what? Do it again. Write that name down, number one. Write that name down and start praying for that person. You're like, I've been praying. Well, keep praying because it goes deeper. Number one, write that name down and start praying for that person. Number two, 
Let them know you're praying for them and keep praying. Now let them know, not in a condescending way, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. <laughs> None of that. Not in a condescending way. Let them know you're praying for them. And keep praying. Ask them, is there anything I could pray for? Do you need me? How can I be involved in your story right here, man? What could I pray for? It's a good way to think about it. How can I be involved in your story? And then number three, be ready. God will lead you to the rest. I'm not here to tell you what to do next. God is going to do that. I know that God has called us to pray and to let people know that we're praying. Be ready. God will lead you to the rest. Can you do that for seven days? Just seven days, man. Remember, man, when you're thinking about this person, don't put yourself way up here. Put yourself right here. And even more, maybe down here as you pray for them and lift them up. Because true discipleship is you sharing your life at the cost of your life so someone can see and experience Jesus. John 15, 13 says, greater love has no one than this. As someone lays his life down for his friends. Right after. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay his life down for his friends. They're going to sing a song right now called John 15, 13. These three right here. These two right here wrote. And <clears throat> I wasn't going to do this in the first service, but now I definitely want to do it this service. <laughs> um, I remember when all three of these showed up on the scene. And it was about 10 years ago. I remember we're at the old recenter before we had this new one. This girl right here, Kat, shows up, and she gets out, and I start talking to her, and it's like, yeah, she, she was here, she's going to work on the res, work with the kids on the res and stuff like that, and she told me that her and Gabriel, you know, drove all this way, and I was looking for Gabriel, and I come to find out it's the name, she gave her car, all right? <laughs> her car's name is still, she still has Gabriel. She still drives, so if you see her, make sure you don't say hi to her, but say hi to Gabriel, all right? And it was amazing is you meet people and you see this fire, all right? But then to see it keep burning and grow brighter and brighter and brighter is such an amazing thing. As God has given me opportunity to not only be, you know, uh, learned and taught by, by, by Kat, but also to pour into her uh, and see her grow. Uh, this young man right here, how old are you now, bro? 35. So it's almost 20 years ago. 19 years ago, I met this kid, all right? I was a youth pastor up the road. And uh, he showed up, man, and I just, I just, you know, just preaching the gospel, talking to kids, and God just kind of kept me looking at him. And then uh, 
we started talking and having some really good conversations about God and about life, about high school and stuff and stuff like that. And then he started playing the guitar and I, I realized how talented he was. And I asked him, I said, bro, you need to come and lead worship in the youth group. He says, all right. And he started leading worship. And then one day I'm giving him a ride home, all right, from youth group. And we're in the truck, we're right over here by the movie theater. And I'm, 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 I'm uh, and he says, I don't know if I can do this anymore. He's like 16 years old, man. I was like, what are you talking about? He says, uh, I don't know <clears throat> if I can lead worship. I can sing about a God I don't really believe in. And I said, dude, that is so amazing. And it kind of threw him off. He was like, what do you mean? I go, that, that's amazing. You don't want me to know God? I said, like, dude, that is so awesome because you can admit that. I mean, dude, you got the guitar. You're in the teenagers. All the girls are looking at you. You're singing. You know what I mean? You got everybody's attention. You could keep just riding this train until see where it goes. But he he had enough courage, enough guts, and enough integrity to say, I can't do this. I said, well, what's up? He goes, I can't wrap my head around this God. And I said, bro, it's summertime. I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Instead of trying to wrap your head around God, Allow God to wrap his heart around you and see. I told him, take this summer. We were going to a youth camp in Denver that, we, that, that month. And I said, see if you can recognize that God really does love you, if Jesus really does love you. See if you can recognize the love of Christ. And that summer, he gave his life to Christ completely, realizing that God truly does love him. And God has given me opportunity to invest in his life, to learn about him, and learn from him as he teaches me. This crazy little chick back here, all right, I met her in this school right here, matter of fact, right here coming out, this, the, one, the one actually across the little way right there. She was in fifth grade, I believe. She's coming out of there. I was talking to her mom. We're chopping it up a little bit. And then uh, she comes out, do, 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 you know, I'm just a little confident little chick. Right? She actually becomes great friends with my daughter, Angel, and they start hanging around. I remember the night that we did this one event and, uh, and her, her dad and her brother, all right, I had the opportunity to lead them to Christ and share Jesus, and they gave their life to Christ. And I went to her, and I says, and you too? She goes, um, I already know him. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool, man. Good to know. One night, man, one day, uh, we're, we're, we're driving around. Her and my daughter, Angel, are in the back seat. I'm playing this, this, this Fourth Avenue Jones CD, back when we played CDs, all right? And, uh, and this chick is just belting on the radio. She's just belting this song out. Wah, wah. I mean, just like this amazing voice. All of a sudden, I'm like, wait a second. There's only one singer, but I hear two. I look in the rearview mirror, and she's got her, she's just singing at the top of her. I, I mean, I had it cranked, and I was like, whoa, she can blow, man. And I just whoop, turned it down real quick, and she kept singing, wah, wah, and then stopped. And I said, no way, man. We're going to hook you up, and we're going to get you in here. She started singing, and they two, these two started leading worship. A couple of other kids as well. And then God kept giving me opportunity after opportunity. Knowing I can never fill her cup, but giving me an opportunity to just empty mine into her life. And this is how God works with us. This is how he calls us. He didn't call us to just come and be a well-behaving Christian. He challenged us to dig deep, to go and search 
take that name. And God will give you another name, and you probably got a list of more names. But man, start praying and asking God how he wants you to be involved in these lives. Praise the Lord. Amen. We're going to invite you up here to pray. There's going to be people to pray with you if you need help praying. But uh, don't leave, man. You need to hear this song. These two wrote this song, and it was just such an amazing scene. These, the, 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 all three of them just do an amazing job. Praise the Lord. Amen. Got the easy part done. Come on now. <laughs>